Hello and welcome to Light for Living. My name is Pat Kilby. I'm the pastor at Cary First Baptist Church in Cary, North Carolina. Light for Living is a podcast designed to share biblical truth from a fresh perspective with an emphasis on relevant and practical application for our life. So currently we're teaching through the book of Revelation. In the last podcast, we started Revelation chapter 9 and we looked at verses 1 through 12. And I'll read those now. Revelation 9, 1 through 12, the fifth angel blew his trumpet. And I saw a star that had fallen from heaven to earth. The key for the shaft to the abyss was given to him. He opened the shaft to the abyss and smoke came up out of the shaft like smoke from a great furnace so that the sun and the air were darkened by the smoke from the shaft. Then locusts came out of the smoke onto the earth and power was given to them like the power that scorpions have on the earth. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any green plant or any tree, but only those people who do not have God's seal on their foreheads. They were not permitted to kill them, but were to torment them for five months. Their torment is like the torment caused by a scorpion when it stings someone. In those days, people will seek death and will not find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. The appearance of the locusts was like horses prepared for battle. Something like golden crowns uh, was on their heads. Their faces were like human faces, and they had hair like women's hair. Their teeth were like lion's teeth. They had chests like iron breastplates. The sound of their wings was like the sound of many chariots with horses rushing into battle, and they had tails with stingers like scorpions, so that with their tails they had the power to harm people for five months. They had as their king the angel of the abyss. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek he has the name Apollyon. The first woe has passed. There are still two more woes to come after this. So up to this point, we've been looking at the seventh seal. The seventh seal has seven trumpet judgments. We've seen the fourth, the four trumpet judgments, and we started the fifth one last week. Now, when Revelation chapter 8 ends, it ends with verse 13, and this angel flying in the sky is screeching as, as loud as he can, three woes, woe, woe, woe. And these woes are, are warnings of imminent and impending doom. And so uh, the people of the earth are, are getting this warning, and, and I shared this last week, any time you see a warning like this, it reveals the mercy of God. In 2 Peter 3, 9 and following, the Lord does not delay his promise as, un, as some understand delay. God is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. So these people that are on the earth, they are experiencing the judgment of God. This is the day of the Lord. And in their unrepentance, God still loves them, and he is warning them about this woe. And he's telling them, listen, if you'll submit to Christ, you will live. It's a warning of impending doom. So even in the midst of God's judgment on the earth, even in the midst of, of God redeeming his earth back to himself, he still is merciful and warning those who are on the earth. Now, as bad as the first four trumpet judgments are, the next three judgments are going to be worse. Thus, the woe, woe, woe. So 
Revelation 9 begins, John did not see a star that was falling from heaven to the earth. He saw a star that had previously fallen to the earth. The star that had fallen from heaven is is Satan, and we looked at that last week. Isaiah talks about it. Jesus talks about it. Um, And this star is, is Satan, and he is now roaming to and fro throughout the earth, and authority at this point in time was given to Satan to unlock and open the shaft to the abyss. Now, I shared this last week, but this is amazing for me to think about, and I wrote a paper actually about it when I was in uh, Gardner-Webb in my in, in one of my uh, theology classes, and when I was doing the research, uh, it just it, it's fascinating to me somewhere on the face of the earth there is a gate, an entryway, to the shaft that leads to the abyss. And the abyss is a is a special place created by God to hold the worst demons, to hold uh, the worst demons. Matter of fact, we looked at this last week. Um, the word abyss comes from the Greek word abusos, which means an immensely deep space, a transcendent place associated with the dead and hostile powers also called the netherworld. The abyss is the place reserved for the worst demons. Demons are fallen angels, those who followed Satan and were cast out of heaven. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 4 says this, For if God did not spare the angels who sinned but cast them into hell, if you have your Bibles, underscore that. If you're taking notes, this word is translated hell, but we're going to see what it really is. For if God did not spare the angels who sinned but cast them into hell and delivered them in chains of utter darkness to be kept for judgment. So last week we talked about the reality of hell. In the Bible there are four words that are translated hell. In the Old Testament it's it's Sheol, and Sheol is the abode of the dead. And Sheol was usually depicted in negative, gloomy terms. It's the land of no return, the place of gloom and deep shadows, the place of deepest night of deep shadow and disorder, where even the light is like darkness. We also looked at the fact that Jesus tells the story of the rich man and Lazarus, and the rich man died, and he lifted, his eye, lifted up his eyes. He's in Sheol, but he's in this netherworld, and he is in torment. But Lazarus, the beggar, the poor man died. The angels carried him off to Abraham's bosom. He is still in Sheol, but he is he's... In, in the place of, of paradise. So in Sheol, there's, there's one of two places, but this all changes in the New Testament. There are three words translated hell in the New Testament. There's Hades, H-A-D-E-S, the place where the spirits of the unrighteous dead are reserved for judgment. Now we see in Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15, that the spirits in Hades at the great white throne judgment will be released and God is going to bring the bodies and the spirits of the unrighteous dead. They will come together and stand before the Lord Jesus at the great white throne judgment. So Hades is reserved right now. Those who die without faith in Christ, their body is dead, but their spirit will depart to Hades, and they will stay in Hades, this this abode of the dead, until the great white throne judgment. Then there is Tartarus, and Tartarus was the Greek god of the dead, equivalent to Pluto in the Roman list of of gods, little g. 
So in Greek mythology, Tartarus is the deep abyss that is used as a dungeon of torment and suffering for the wicked and as the prison for the Titans. But we understand, and Peter uses this word, for God did not spare the angels who sinned but cast them into hell. Many of the demons that followed Satan were were cast into this place, and they're waiting for this day that's mentioned in Revelation chapter 9, verses 1 through 12. So Satan is given the key, and anytime you see the word key, especially here in Revelation, it's literally uh, can be likened to authority. So Satan is given the authority to release these demons. Now, when he opens the gate to the abyss, the first thing that, that happens is this black smoke. This black smoke, it it fills the, the air, and, 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 and John is really clear here, it blacks out the sun, but it fills the air. So this smoke, it affects the, the air that people are breathing while they're, while they're on the earth. So the, the moon or the sun is darkened out. The air is thick with this black smoke. And out of this smoke comes a, an army or a swarm of, of locusts. And so it's, that's, that's Tartarus. These demons are coming out of this abyss. Then the the fourth term in the scripture that's translated hell is Gehenna. It's a reference to the Valley of Hinnom, the eternal dwelling place of the unrighteous. Now, Jesus used the term Gehenna to create a mental picture, a vivid picture of the eternal dwelling place of the unrepentant and unrighteous. The Valley of Hinnom was an undesirable place. It was south and kind of east of Jerusalem, it was a place of burning sewage, burning flesh, and garbage. Maggots and worms crawled through the waste, and the smoke smelled strong and was sickening. It was a place of utter filth. It was disgusting and repulsive to the nose as well as the eyes. Gehenna presented such a vivid image that Christ used it as a symbolic depiction of hell a place of eternal torment and constant uncleanness where the fires never ceased burning and the worms never stopped crawling. Wow, what a picture. So hell is a real place reserved for real people who reject God and live in their unrepentance and unrighteousness. So when the star, the star who is Satan opened the abyss, smoke came out of the shaft like smoke from a burning furnace. The smoke was so black, so dense and overwhelming, it filled the air and blacked out the radiance of the sun. Now, the smoke was followed by the scourge of countless demons in the form of swarming locusts. So I want us, and if you have your Bible, I just want you to get your Bible and, and follow along. We're just going to look at this uh, verse by verse. Let's go to uh, verse 3. The locusts came out of the smoke onto the earth, and power was given to them, like the power that scorpions have on the earth. So if you're uh, you know, taking notes, just, just mental notes, and you want to write something down, in these next few verses, for at least for the rest of Revelation chapter 9, we're going to see the word like. So these demons that are coming out of the abyss, it's like they are scorpions. So they are, they are demonic. They are wicked. 
they are evil and they have the same intent that Satan does. In John 10.10, we understand that Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. These demons, they come to steal, kill, and destroy. They, They are released and for five months, and by the way, five months is the typical lifespan for a a locust. So this this abyss is open, the smoke billows out, and following this this dense black smoke is a swarm of of locusts. Now I don't know if you know much about locusts, but um, in Africa and 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 parts of the world like that, locusts when they swarm, the swarm can be as much as two miles wide, two hundred feet thick, and when they descend, they eat thousands and thousands of square miles of vegetation and anything they can uh, they can forage or or eat. They they destroy everything in their path. Several years ago, when we lived in Oklahoma. Um, we had locusts on our property, and in southeast Oklahoma, a lot of people dealt with with these locusts, and they would they would eat everything in their path. One year, Angela decided to uh, make a garden, and we put a fence around it to keep our horse out and other stuff like that. But we went on vacation, and we had a locust problem, but we didn't think it was all that bad. When we came back from vacation about eight or nine days later, we got back. The garden was gone. When I say the garden was gone, they had eaten the corn to the ground. They had eaten our potato plants to the ground. Everything was nubs. Our flowers were gone. All the landscaping, except for, you know, those, uh, I don't know what kind of bushes they were. They They didn't eat them. But if it was a flower or something they could descend on, they ate everything. We were in shock. We were in shock. And, you know, the word is that they only come around once every seven years. Well, that's a lie because the next year they came and they were just as bad, if not worse. These were not grasshoppers. They were locusts. And Angela will be quick to tell you that uh, they, they were locusts. And I'm telling you, they ate everything. And they were so thick that when we traveled back and forth to town in the middle of the summer, uh, you could see the all the dead grasshoppers on the on the road that had been run over our windshield was plastered our bumper our front bumper was plastered they were they were everywhere that is nothing compared to what's coming out of the abyss so get this in verse 4 they verse 3 they were given power like scorpions have and scorpions have the power to sting and we'll see that in a moment They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any green plant or any tree, but only those people who do not have God's seal on their foreheads. We'll see this later, but there's 144,000, 12,000 from each tribe who are sealed to share the gospel all over the world. And I also believe those who are sealed, anyone who comes to faith in Jesus Christ, I think they're sealed. They're sealed by uh, the Holy Spirit, we can see this in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. Those who accept Christ, we are sealed for the day of redemption. So I honestly believe this is not only the 144,000, but anyone who has prayed to receive Christ, they've committed their life to Christ, 
I don't believe the scorpions will will be able to harm them. So they were not uh, permitted to to kill them, but were uh, they could not uh, affect or attack those people who had God's who had God's seal on their foreheads. Verse five: They were not permitted to kill them, but were to torment them for five months. Their torment is like the torment caused by a scorpion when it stings someone. So these locust-like creatures ascend out of this dark pit, and they literally, these demonic beings, attack humanity. They cannot attack those who have the seal of God on them, but they attack all those who are still unrepentant and unrighteous. As they attack them, they are not permitted to kill them, but their sting is like that of a scorpion sting. So in Oklahoma, we had all kinds of creatures. We had tarantulas in our backyard, but we also had scorpions. And scorpions, they got to be, you know, four or five inches long, maybe six. But then there were also small ones. And uh, I was talking to Angela this week because I remembered uh, when we were in Oklahoma, she got stung by a scorpion. Now, this scorpion was about two inches long. She reached up to uh, move the shower curtain back. And she felt this prick like she'd been stuck with a knife or something. And she thought that maybe she had uh, uh, been poked by one of the shower curtain rings. But she looked down and there was a scorpion scurrying away. And for the next 24 hours, it, it, her finger that was stung by, by this scorpion, uh, she described it this way. She said for the next 24 hours, her finger felt as though she had placed it on the eye, the orange eye of a stove. It burned and it stung and it hurt so, so bad. That's a little scorpion. These scorpions seem to me to be much bigger. Matter of fact, when a when a human takes the full force of a of a fully grown scorpion, oftentimes it will shut the body down. It will cause them to shake, go into uh, seizures, foam at the mouth and and all kinds of things. So these scorpions, uh, these these locusts, these demonic beings have power to sting and affect the unrepentant and the unrighteous. But here's the thing. It will not kill them. It will not kill them. So they are are suffering. And, and these locusts are on the earth, and they're doing their thing for five months. And when you do the research, five months is the typical lifespan for a locust. In those days, verse 6, do not miss this. In those days, in these days, these five months of, of torment from the attack of these demonic beings, people will seek death and will not find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. So people will want to kill themselves, and they will actually try to kill themselves, but they cannot. God will not let them die in their unrepentance and in their rebellion, they will suffer from these demonic beings who are continually attacking the unrepentant and unrighteous. So let's get to verse 7, and, and let's start looking at the appearance. So the appearance of the locusts was like. It was like, or it was similar to. So we're going to, to look at some of this, and we're going to make some... Um, uh, some, I, I guess, some some comparisons to what they will will be like. Um, whatever these demons are, 
They're compared to locusts, but number one, the appearance of the locust was like horses prepared for battle. Something like golden crowns was on their heads. Their faces were like human faces. They had hair like women's hair. Their teeth were like lion's teeth. They had chests like iron breastplates. The sound of their wings was like the sound of many chariots with horses rushing into battle. And they had tails with stingers like scorpions so that with their tails they had the power to harm people for five months. Now, we understand um, from Proverbs that locusts have no king, but these locusts have a king. They had as their king the angel of the abyss. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in the Greek he has the name Apollyon. And so their king is Satan himself. So we're going to finish the podcast today by looking at these locust-like creatures. Now, I don't know how big they are, um, but they're big enough to pack a punch. But, But get this. So the appearance of the locust was like horses prepared for battle. So when we understand horses prepared for battle, these, this, this symbolizes or these demonic creatures are powerful and swift. They're created for the battle. They're created for attack. They are powerful and swift. They also had golden crowns on their heads. Golden crowns is symbolic of authority or they have a conquering nature. So these Demonic beings are powerful and swift, and they have a, a conquering nature, a, a demonic nature, uh, a twisted nature to, to conquer, and, uh, and they have authority to go and, and harm people. So they, their bodies looked like horses prepared for battle. They had something like golden crowns on their heads. Their faces were like human faces. So literally, these demonic beings, they, they have emotion. Um, and when, when you look at, at, at the face, and, and the face is symbolic of showing emotion, symbolic of intelligence. So they are intelligent. They have emotion. But I want you to get this. Verse 8, they had hair like women's hair. So hair is symbolic of, of several things. Hair like women's hair. Uh, to some degree, these beings are attractive. They're captivating. Hair also, like blowing in the wind, they're, they're free. Uh, and hair like women's hair, it's, it's almost as if people are intrigued by these, these beings, these demonic forces that are, that are swarming. So they... They are powerful and swift. They have authority to conquer. They have a conquering nature. They have faces like humans, so they are emotional, intelligent creatures. They are somewhat captivating. They are free because they know exactly what they're doing. Their teeth are like a lion's, a lion's teeth. So this means they are ferocious predators. They're ferocious predators. Their chests are like breastplates. I think literally what this means is they're going to be hard, if not impossible, to kill. They're so protected. They'll be hard, if not impossible, to kill. The sound like many chariots. Literally, this sound like many chariots, you'll see them coming, but you'll hear them coming 
long before you see them. And when you hear something coming, you know that it's intimidating and you know that you have uh, extreme dread in your spirit, in your heart. And they had stingers, stingers of which are, are very, very painful. So we have these demonic forces coming out of this abyss and their, their purpose is to harm the unrepentant and unrighteous on the earth. I'm so glad I will not be here. You see, when the church is called away, every believer is called away, will be in the presence of God in heaven while all hell is breaking loose. And literally in this fifth trumpet judgment, all hell is breaking loose. The demons of hell, the worst demons, they've been released and they are inflicting uh, horrific pain on the unrepentant and unrighteous. And here's what I would say. It lasts for five months. Here's what I would say. If people don't know Jesus and Jesus comes, they will be thrust into seven years of tribulation. The first three and a half years are bad. They are bad. When you read the horseman of the apocalypse, that's bad. But when you get into the last half, when the day of the Lord, when judgment really comes, and you get into the seventh seal and these seven judgments, I'm going to tell you, it gets even worse and worse and worse. You know, we're commanded to share the gospel, but if we love our family, our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers, let's live in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's live with integrity. Let's walk like Jesus walked. And when we live this way, you know what? People are going to see something different, and we're going to be able to, because of our relationships, Share the good news of Jesus because those who don't know Jesus, first and foremost, those who die without Jesus before the rapture, their, their spirit goes to Hades, and eventually their spirit will be brought together with their body. They'll stand before the Lord Jesus at the great white throne judgment and be cast into the eternal lake of fire. Some people say, preacher, do you believe that? You know what? It's in the Bible. I believe it. So why would I believe the salvation piece of Scripture if I'm not going to believe all of Scripture? So if I don't believe all of Scripture, how can I believe the salvation part of Scripture? So if salvation is the good news, hell is the bad news. But for those who are living on the earth who continue in their unrepentance and unrighteousness, the tribulation is going to be hellish. It's going to be Hell on earth. People are going to be longing to die, wishing to die. And in this seventh seal at the fifth trumpet judgment, they will not be able to die. What a horrific, horrific time. So I thank God for his grace. I thank God for his mercy. So glad that God loved us enough to save us from our sin and to save us from, from what is to come. So next week, we're going to uh, continue looking at Revelation 9. We'll uh, look at the sixth trumpet, and then we'll move on to Revelation chapter 10. Next weekend is Memorial Day weekend, so we will not have a pat podcast next Sunday evening, but we'll continue uh, with our podcast the first Sunday evening in June. So I want to thank you for listening to the podcast this week. I also want to encourage you to continue listening and to invite your family members, your friends, neighbors, coworkers, and acquaintances to join us as we continue to study the book of Revelation. I hope you have a great week and thanks for joining us today on Light for Living.